Colossians chapter 2. This is going to be part 2 of something we began Sunday morning titled Blessed Assurance. The Lord stirred this message in my heart when I was in Brockton, Massachusetts because of many of the questions that I was asked when I was there. And I was asked, well, many questions. And you will be if you're walking in the light of this this truth of Calvary because it's it's really what exposes everything that is wrong but it also gives you great depth in what is right. It's the place the Holy Spirit can guide you into all truth. Yes, amen. And nowhere else can he do that. But one of the questions came up and it was so, Brother Curtis, you don't think that being slain in the Spirit is of God? I said, no, I don't. I, they said, why? And I said, well, because it's not in the Bible. How does that glorify Christ? And how are you growing from that? What is going on there? And they said, well, you just don't know what God's doing. I said, okay, right there. And this is the Lord ministering to me while all this was going on, telling me there's too much mystery in the church. That, sh- that, that, that there, really, there really is only two mysteries in the Bible. One of them is the mystery of what God did in Christ at Calvary that was spoke of from Genesis through Malachi, but has now been revealed through Matthew, through Revelation. That's the mystery, one of them. The other one, Paul talked about a mystery of us being changed in the twinkling of an eye. All this other mysterious stuff in the Bible that there are no scriptures for, that's going on in that's that all this stuff that's going on in the church that people they're just miss it well you just don't know what let me tell you what god's doing you can know yeah. he's given us his word Amen. we can know all this we, we came out of this stuff 20 years ago of being afraid to ask questions because we didn't want to sound like we were dumb and not spiritual and every time I get around things that are in moving in that direction or in that mess, I know it. I know it. People are in this mysterious stuff. God is not working in mysterious ways. Amen. He's not working. We've heard that. We've heard so many things all our life. It's just not biblical. He's not working in mysterious ways. The Bible says, and here's just a good example to help you along. The Bible says in Hebrews that in time past, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets in various ways and diverse manners. But in these last days, that means all that's over, he's spoken to us by his son. Even the things that were spoken of in old to the fathers of Israel by the prophets now, for them to be have any effect in our lives, they have to be viewed through the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ because he said they testify of him. And so all these, you hear people say, Lord works in mysterious ways. It's just really not biblical. I mean, what he did was a mystery. What he did in his son on the cross was a mystery, but it's been revealed now. It's no longer a mystery. It's been unveiled and revealed. When Jesus died, the veil was ripped from top to bottom. The door opened up. All who will believe now, not just a nation, but anybody. 
And so all this mysterious stuff, well, you just don't know. Well, sometimes God has to knock you out before he can do it. No, he can't knock you out and do something because how would your faith function for him to do it? Amen. See how silly we can be. Right. And people will make up all sort of stuff with no scriptural evidence. Right. And this is a scriptural evidential church right here. Amen. We're not following these these mysterious ways of just to fit in, just so we, we want to feel as spiritual as everybody else. God brought us out of that. We're not going back in it. I don't care whose grandmama said this and did that, and that's just what the God did in that day. You have no scriptural evidence that God did that at all. That's right. You got what you do have is a Bible. Amen. And it's not that things didn't happen there, that people didn't, uh, things happened to them, but how many of you know there are other spirits? Amen. Everything that goes on even in the church is not by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So just the questions that I was asked from people who really want to know, not questioning to belittle or questioning to agitate, they were questioning because they're hungry and they want to know the truth. And, and the Lord stirred this message, and I began it Sunday morning, and I'll continue in it tonight, this blessed assurance, because you and I are only going to trust the Lord to the degree that we're sure about Him. Amen. The more we are, uh, the more we place our, 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 the more, how do I say this, the more we are sure of who He is and what He did at Calvary, the more we'll trust Him. Right. You know? As I said Sunday morning, the reason uh, preachers don't preach the cross uh, is because they don't think it, they're not sure it is the answer for everything. Right. Well, this preacher is. Sure. I have been brought by God to the place of realizing nothing else works. Amen. Nothing else works. Jesus did the work, Amen. it was a perfect work. And it cannot be added to, and it is finished even from before the foundation of the world, but manifest on Calvary's tree. And the only work going on in your life is if, if it's of God, is Him working in you that death. That's it. And out of that death comes the fruit of all the spirits able to do in your life. And if that's not where your faith is, then it's not God. No wonder it's a mystery and I just don't know. You can know. You can be sure. And you can actually see what God is doing in your life. We don't always know everything He's doing, but we know some of the things He's doing by the fruit it's producing in our lives. Amen. So let's read this in Colossians Chapter 2, let's just start in verse 1 because the text is in verse 2. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea. And I, th- I thought it was interesting he mentions Laodicea and then one of the seven churches that's in Asia. And then later he writes to Timothy and tells Timothy, you know all those in Asia have forsaken me. I say that's very interesting. But he says, I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, as for many as have not seen my face in the flesh. In other words, 
as many as I've not been able to be there and meet yet face to face, I have a great conflict for you. And this is what it is. That their hearts may be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Now this verse 2 is packed with treasure for you. If you will only know that God wants you to be sure of what you have, more than saying you're sure, well, I'm sure. He wants to see that you're sure. Can I say it that way tonight? God wants to see the fruit in my life that I am sure of the one in whom I'm trusted. He wants to see the fruit of my assurance that I have in him. He wants to see that. He don't, he don't listen. He don't mind me telling him I'm sure of your love. I'm sure of your tender mercies. I'm sure that you could keep me and that you were building me. And He don't mind you telling him. But beyond that, he wants to see where you really speak to him from. Because he only looks upon the heart. The Bible says. And he wants to see that heart that's sure. That heart that responds to situations because they're sure. He's faithful. And the more sure you are of him, and that requires your faith being in what he did at Calvary because that's where you're sure of everything you're sure about God. That's where you say, I know he's faithful because he gave his son for me. It's not, I know he's faithful because uh, he did this and he did that. The Muslims and the Jehovah's Witness and the Mormons are talking about everyday circumstances. And it's not that there's anything wrong with saying, my God is doing things in my life. But what you have to put your assurance in is that God gave his son. That's what saved you. And that's what now makes you sure that if you stop breathing, you're going to be in his presence. Nothing else. Everything else is just circumstantial. Everything else is just something happening to you or you doing something. But what Jesus did at Calvary, you can be sure that God showed up that day. And that God caused the earth to go to grow black, dark, and tremble with an earthquake when his son gave up his spirit to die for you and me. You can be sure that he died for you and that you died with him. You can be sure that when he went in the grave, you were already in him on the cross. You can be sure that when he was raised from the dead, you were in him when he arose. When he went into paradise, you were with him. Hallelujah. And you've even been made now to sit in heavenly places with him. You can be sure of these things because he gave his life for you. Amen. But look at this verse too. If our hearts are going to be comforted, they're going to have to be knit together 
in love. But if our hearts are being comforted as they're being knit together in love, it's going to result in a more full assurance of understanding that results in the acknowledgement of the mystery. The more you acknowledge what was a mystery, the more you acknowledge, not just say I know about it, acknowledge it. The more you acknowledge it, that means your heart is touching it. The mystery, you see, your hearts cannot be knit in the love of God until all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, which is what we're going to try to talk about tonight, unless it's resulting in the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. And that's talking about what happened at Calvary because that is the unveiling mystery. And understanding here is one of the three I mentioned, three of them to you Sunday morning. There's three phrases in the Bible that say full assurance of. This one's understanding. One of them is faith. We'll cover them later and hope. The full assurance of faith, the full assurance of hope, and tonight we're going to discuss the full assurance of understanding. But here in this verse, we're seeing that it's always going to be to the acknowledgement of or the knowledge of the mystery of God. There is no hearts being comforted and knit together in the love of God without our acknowledging this mystery. Yeah, that's right. That means partaking of it. Yes. That means partaking of it. Mm. Amen. As I've said over the last several weeks at different times, you and I are not called to imitate Christ. You can't do it. Every time we try, we realize we can't do it. But we are called to partake of that divine nature, to partake of Christ, that lamb nature. That's what we're called to partake of. And the Lord here is letting us know that we need to have a full assurance, a full assurance of understanding. And what you don't understand, you can't be sure of. That's right. What you don't understand, you can't be sure of it. If you're confused, you can't be sure. That's why these folk, they just not fully, and listen, before, when you're sure about something, you give yourself to it. Right. Because you can trust it. Full assurance of understanding. So we're going to look at a few scriptures while we have time tonight, about a half hour, about understanding. And I pray the Lord give us a greater understanding tonight because the greater understanding we have the greater assurance we can have, and the greater assurance we have, the greater dependence we will have upon the Lord. And that's just reality, not just in spiritual things, but in everything. But mainly spiritual things. Proverbs 9 and verse 10, I've always loved this verse. For many, many years it defines understanding. I love the Bible because it defines the Bible. 
Truth has to be what teaches you truth. The Word has to be what teaches you the Word. The problem in the church today, men are trying to teach us the Word. And the Word is good enough to teach the Word. It's effective enough. It's faithful enough. The Word of God is God. And if God's going to teach me, He's going to have to teach me the Word. And if He's going to teach me more of the Word, He's going to have to use the Word. He's already taught me to bring me further into the Word now that I need today. I, you don't need my input. We tell little stories occasionally along the way. Some people, that's mainly what they do. I don't listen to them because we don't need stories unless they're in this book, unless they're real short and they get right to the point about what is in this book. Yes. We can't walk in truth unless the last footstep was in truth. Yes. The next one to be in truth means the other one had to be. Because the Lord told us that he would send the Holy Spirit and he would guide us into all truth. And we walk in truth. That means the, the footstep now is in truth and the next one has to be in truth. And there's no room for any other sidestepping. Hallelujah. We just stay in the truth. Don't be sidestepping on God. Proverbs 9 and 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm. Think about that. Think about this. If the preaching of the cross is the wisdom of God, then the fear of the Lord is tied to the preaching of the cross. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And here comes the definition we're looking for of understanding. The knowledge of the holy is understanding. There's your definition from God. Webster's probably tell you something different, but we ain't studying no Webster's. We've been singing about Webster Sunday and tonight, didn't we? We know somebody smarter than a man named Webster. Listen, I love it when the scriptures, when I see that the scriptures are defining scriptures, and here we see that. What is understanding? It's knowledge of holy, and I believe correctly rendered, it's the knowledge of the Holy One. The knowledge of the holy is understanding. Amen? Now, can we, Sister Robin, can we put uh, Jeremiah 9 and 24 on the screen? And I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I I will be going back because this is is really good and encouraging. And if you'll open your heart to receive the truth tonight to what's being said, the Lord can increase uh, the knowledge that you have. Your, your assurance can be greater. Jeremiah 9 and 24, but let him that glories, glory in this, that he understands and knows me. This is God speaking to Israel through Jeremiah. Now, now understand this. He says, let him that go to glory, that means boast. Let him that's boasting, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of the verse. Well, why not? We're here. That I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. But what we're focused on in this verse here is, but let him that boast, that glory, glory in this, that he understands and knows me. Now, can you put up on the screen Galatians 6, 14? Because the Lord in the New Testament at the unveiling 
of the mystery through the Apostle Paul says, God forbid that we glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So all other boasting is excluded. So when you rightly divide the word of God, Jeremiah, what we just read with what we're reading here together, you see that God said if my people are going to boast, they better boast in that they understand and know me. And then in Paul he says, I I forbid you to boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because only at the cross can you know and understand your God. You'll not understand. You might under, I did for years understand what the Bible said. But I didn't really know what it meant. And I really didn't know the application. And if you really want to know God, that's why Paul said at the end of his ministry that I may know him. He already knew him. But he wanted to know him more. That's a true Christian. That's an that's a experiential Christian. I want to know you more, Lord. You see, if you're going to boast, he says, you better boast in that you know me and that you understand me. And then he tells Paul, I forbid that you boast in anything but the cross of Christ. So when you righteously divide those scriptures, you see God is telling us the only way you can know me and understand me is in the only place that I've offered you to put your boast in, which is what my son did at Calvary. That's where we first met God. Was it John 17, 3? Jesus said, this is eternal life. What is? This is eternal life. What is it? This is eternal life. That they know the one true God and his son whom he sent. See, eternal life is your knowledge of God. And your knowledge of God didn't happen until the gospel was preached to you and Christ, his son, was unveiled as a crucified lamb. That's where you met God. That's where God drew you near. Ephesians 2.13, we were brought near by the blood. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And that blood he shed made you near. And there's where we begin our journey of knowing God and beginning to understand God. Remember the verse we started with, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Every person who's ever been born again, the fear of the Lord was upon them when that happened. It was in their hearts. You were realizing all of a sudden that you were undone before God, that you were a sinner, that you were headed to hell, and you heard the good news, a way out from that horizon of eternal damnation and a new horizon, an eternal place of blessing and hope and joy with Jesus Christ if you would only with your heart believe that he died in your place. On Calvary's cross. And there you met the Lord. And you took your first step with the Lord. And as a baby Christian, you begin to learn the first principles of Christ, the oracles of God. As a baby Christian on the milk, you begin to learn and to understand. And then something happened. And we moved away from the focus of Calvary. And we begin to understand only what men would say, only what men would teach, instead of the Lord himself teaching 
teaching us what we need to understand. He is our teacher. Remember, we're taught by grace. Titus chapter 2. We're taught by grace. Grace is not a floating word. Grace is the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of grace. Everybody knows that, right? Grace is not just a word. Grace is not just some power, some something. You're saved by grace through faith. Who saved you? God. In Christ on the cross. We're taught by grace. Who's teaching us? The spirit of grace. Paul said, I've labored, I labor more than all them other apostles and disciples, but I'm doing it by the grace of God. Well, What's that? Not just something floating, not just something on him. It was by the spirit of grace. Amen. It's important that you know these things. Most of the church doesn't. They think grace, they don't really, well, I was saved by grace through faith, and that's about all they know. Because most Christians, after they get saved, and and just to be honest with you, and I'm not being ugly, most Christians never make it off the milk their entire life. Is there anybody back here? Most Christians never make it off the milk their entire life. Because being on the milk is learning what the Bible says. Being on the milk, I mean the meat rather, is having what the Bible says applied to your life in experience. You do understand that, right? Being, listen, being on the milk is learning what the Bible teaches about uh, baptism and, and repentance from dead works. And the list is very short, but it's there in Hebrews chapter 6, the first couple of verses. And, and it's right after the end of Hebrews chapter 5 that tells us there was a bunch of baby Christians and they were babes in Christ and they should have been experiencing more than they were. It, it tells precisely that they should have been teachers by now. And the reason they weren't is because they were still on the milk. And it tells us why. They were still on the milk is because they were unskillful in the, wor- in the word of righteousness. Yeah. says that in those words. And therefore, if you're unskillful, unskillful meaning they're lacking experience, doesn't mean you become very skillful in the way you handle the word and look good. And that word unskillful means inexperienced. They weren't experiencing the word of righteousness, the word of the cross. Amen. So, and I didn't mean to get into all that, but we did. Well, praise the Lord for it. But you need to, you, we need to know these things. I'm not being ugly tonight when I say most Christians, most Christians don't ever make it off the milk. Because if, if, they, if, they, if they never learn how to, how to live for God, meaning exclusive faith in what saved them, and all their life they got their faith in this and that and everything new that comes along every year, that they're not on the meat. You can't be on the meat and involved in all that. That's right. Amen. Amen. And, when, and, and I was thinking today about, you know, when if those of you who had children, when it comes time to get that kid off that bottle, they don't just throw it away most of the time. You have, man, you have to pull that thing out of their mouth. They throw a wall-eyed hissy fit when it's time to get off that bottle. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Uh-huh. Christians that way too. I'm talking about me and all of us. Hallelujah. When it comes time to mature, well, no, I'm good. I'm good. 
You need to start chewing on that meat. No, I'm good. I like the, I like this. We don't like moving, do we? We don't like change. God loves change. Amen. He loves change. He don't change, but he loves us changing. Because when we're changing, Christ is being exalted. Amen. Okay. So, did you see that in Jeremiah 9 and 24? And then Galatians 6, 14. We looked at those two together. Now, let's look at another one of my favorite scriptures in Proverbs. See, once, you, once the Lord begins to teach you the truth of His Son and what He did at Calvary, in all the scriptures, even scriptures in the Old Testament will just be just marvelous to your heart because they just describe so many great things. Look at Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. And this is a very confronting Bible verse. Although encouraging, it's very confronting. Proverbs 2 and 6 tells us, For the Lord gives wisdom. How do I get wisdom? The Lord gives it. The Bible says there, the Lord gives wisdom. Colon. Everybody say colon. Everybody know what we teach here at Crossway Church about the colon. After the colon comes a specific something to help you with what was just stated on the other side of the colon. Somebody might say, well, the colon wasn't in the Hebrew and the Greek. I don't care. What I'm telling you is right. And you'll see one example of it here. For the Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. What's that mean, out of his mouth? His word. His word. Out of his mouth comes knowledge. And out of his mouth comes the understanding of what the, of the knowledge he'll give you. So he gives you the knowledge if you'll listen to him. If you know where you can hear him. Now, I ain't talking about a metal building or out by the tree or in some closet with a candle. You can't hear him unless it's through Calvary. That's what the Bible says. He speaks from heaven through the blood. Hebrews 12, 24, and 25. The church of Sardis was rebuked by Jesus through John and told to repent and turn to the place where they first received and heard. And Paul, the Lord through Paul again, uh, Paul rebukes the church in Galatia and says, are you now thinking, who's bewitched you? Are you now thinking that you're still hearing and growing and being perfected by what you're doing rather than the hearing of faith? You must be hearing the Lord. We're not talking about, well, I ain't never heard God. Get in the Word, you'll hear Him. Get in the Bible, you'll hear Him. Get in the Word of God. It's the only place you're going to hear Him. These nuts out there looking for a cloud shaped like something so God can talk to them. That's Old Testament and God said, I ain't doing it no more. He speaks to us by His Son. Amen. Mm. So we have to be very careful when we're attempting to excuse someone's denial of the truth just because people say, well, they don't understand. Well, they don't understand. Nobody in hell 
ever understood. Nobody in hell ever understood. You got to be very careful not to uh, look at somebody's denial and rejection and call that just, well, they just don't understand. There's two places of being in a place of not understanding. And God sees where, where each one of these is, and many times he's the only one who can see that most of the time. You cannot understand but want to understand. And I believe that's where the fear of the Lord comes in. You can you cannot understand, and I remember the Lord's done many things in my life to make points to me, for me, and for you. When I used to go to work and Richard Rilhaus would be out there on that dock and we'd be, I loved the scriptures, but I wasn't seeing them in the life they were written in. And he would talk to me about a scripture every morning and how it related to Christ and what he did at Calvary, and I'd say, well, I ain't seeing that, brother. So I've been there. I didn't understand, but I wanted to. I didn't just write him off and say, man, that's funny. See, you cannot understand but be interested and want to, or you cannot understand and say, I don't want to know about that. And really, God's the only one that knows what's where that's at in a man's heart. Our mission is just to keep telling it. Not to quit telling it because somebody don't want to hear it, but not to make excuses either for people and start saying, well, they just don't understand it. If they don't understand it, they don't have a position in a pulpit. Amen. Amen. Let me say, y'all didn't hear me, I said. If they don't understand it, they don't, they don't need a pulpit. Because if they don't understand it, then they're delivering something else without the understanding of it. And whatever that is, is wrong. So, but back to, back to Proverbs 2 and 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. Now we know that the preaching of the cross, message of Christ and Him crucified, is the message of God's wisdom and power. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 23 tell us that. And then the colon is there. And after the colon, and I believe after the colon tells us the avenue through which he gives wisdom. The avenue through which he gives wisdom is out of his mind. His words bring forth knowledge and understanding. When God is giving you knowledge he is out of his mouth also giving you the understanding. And though it may be line upon line, precept upon precept, just here a little and there a little, it is him giving the knowledge. It is him giving the understanding. That's why you've got to be careful. It's, the, the understanding has also got to come from the word. Yeah. The, I mean, the knowledge is there, but the understanding is there as well. Amen. So, so when, have you ever heard anybody say, well, preacher, I just, you know, I have a hard time reading the Bible because I, I, you know, I, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, 
but, but I just can't understand it. Now, ain't no need in being ugly to nobody, but that's a, that's a, that's a sad statement. And here's why. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. When I say I just can't understand the Bible, nine times out of ten probably, that's said by folk who not even reading the Bible. They don't have a problem reading this, this book and following its directions to build this whatever it is. But they have a problem reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, and allowing the Word of God to prosper in their hearts. Let me just say to you, your life and my life, this is not just because I'm a preacher. This should be every Christian's life. The meditation of your heart should be the Word of God. The meditation of your heart should be the Word of God. You should you, Every day you should be in the Word of God. I'm not preaching this is some law. This is something that should be a desire for every Christian. The Bible tells us to study the Word of God, to show yourself approved unto God. He's already approved you. He wants to see the fruit of His approval on you. And if you'll study, you can bear more of the fruit in your life of His approval on your life. Hallelujah. And we ought to have a love for the Word of God. The church doesn't really have a love for the Word of God today. They don't. They give a little bit of time to the Word, and it's just over. Let me encourage you tonight. When you read the Word, let what you read there, let God minister that to you. Let God... Just, just let that work in your heart. Let that be the meditation of your heart. And then tomorrow, he'll add to that and, and the Holy Spirit will just be teaching you on the job wherever you are. Maybe not every moment because you're engaged uh, seriously in these matters, but there are many moments during the day that the meditation of your heart can be on the Word of God, the Holy Spirit teaching you the Word giving you the knowledge and the understanding. I remember standing in that warehouse, I've told it a thousand times, with my Bible slang open on two buckets of hydraulic oil, and I was so oppressed. And I loved the Word, but I was so oppressed I couldn't even study the Word. I, I couldn't even hardly just read it. And I, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, all I know anymore is that you love me. I'm, and this is what I was really saying. I'm so unsure of everything else. My assurance wasn't there in anything but that he loved me. And you can know God loves you with all your heart and be in a miserable mess. Knowing God loves you won't deliver you. Nobody's ever been saved because they heard God loves them. Nobody. Nobody. People get saved because they heard God loves them and gave His Son for them. Amen. Nobody gets saved because they think God loves them. They got to hear the rest of the story. And as a Christian who's already had God's love shed abroad in their heart, they can be living a miserable life knowing that God loves them because they don't have the truth in their heart and they're not walking in truth. They're not increasing in the knowledge and the understanding. They're not growing because they're really not sure. The greater your assurance, I promise you, will be the greater of your growth.
But you have to be sure of the right thing. Muslims are as sure as they are about satanic stuff that they don't think is satanic stuff as we are a lot of times more so than we are as Christians. They're devout. I've been over there. I've been in Saudi Arabia. I was there. Man, you can count on it at a certain time in the evening. When the bells ring, you're leaving their store. They're running you out. Not maybe. You're leaving, and they're rolling that rug out, and they're getting on their knees, and they're doing all what they do. Man, if it's raining outside, somebody might not go to church. (laughs) Them folk going to do what they do. We need to do what we call do. Yeah. Amen. We need to be students of the Word. We need to wake up every morning saying, Lord, you've taught me greatly, but I want to learn more. This is what I'm a student of, not because I'm a preacher, but because I'm a child of God. Amen. Amen. A lot of people got excited over the message of the cross, but where are they excited no more? The message of the cross is what brought me into the true meaning of the Bible, the true meaning of my salvation. It began to assure me that I could stand on the Word of God in its right light. See, if I don't have the Word of God being taught to me by the Holy Spirit, I'm not seeing it in its in the light that gives me assurance for, for the journey ahead. Listen, if it's dark, you, you kind of hesitate to put your foot out there. And, and, and when the lights go out, you don't walk through the house fast as you do with them on. You try it and you're going to pay for it. But when the light shines, you see right where to go because you got this assurance. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. That's when the Lord began to teach me the word in the, in the light in which it was written, dipped in the blood of His Son. Hallelujah. And when I began to hear Him, hear Him! He began to give me wisdom. Out of his mouth came knowledge that I didn't have. What else? Understanding. Now, you see, without the truth of Calvary, there will always be a a whole gamut of things that I just don't know what's wrong about them, but there's, there's something wrong. I just can't put my finger on it. But when the truth of Calvary comes, you can see they're wrong. You can see why they're wrong. And you can now have the power, because you know from where it comes, to turn away from that which is wrong. Yes, amen. Mm. Mm. Paul tells Timothy this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. Paul tells Timothy, Consider what I say. And the Lord give you understanding in all things. Man, that ought to be our prayer every night when we go to bed. Every morning we wake up, Lord, I want to understand more of you. It's going to cause all hell to break out in your life. Anybody remember a man named Daniel? He set himself apart to, the Bible says to what? To understand. And all hell broke loose even in the heavenlies. The angel finally made it through to him and said, from the day you set yourself apart to understand, war broke out. I want to understand in spite of the war. I want to understand more about my Jesus in spite of all the chaos that may come with a greater understanding. The last thing the devil wants for you is for you to understand 
just exactly how much Calvary should mean to you. That's the last thing he wants any Christian to just be completely sold out, given to, determined not to know anything else. That's the last thing he wants because there you will have an assurance in your steadfast faith keeping. And it'll allow you to learn what the backside of the devil looks like, my Bible says. He will flee from you. He will flee from you. See, if you're not sure, if you're not sure, then you might move away from that cross. You got to get sure about Calvary. I'm not talking about sure and that's what saved you. I'm talking about sure that that's your only hiding place. Sure that that's the only place you're going to hear God through. You got to get sure that's the only place God works is through your faith in the sacrifice. We are not a ministry that says today God works only within the boundaries and sphere of faith in the sacrifice. And then tomorrow we say that, well, every once in a while he'll work outside of that. God will never deviate from his new covenant. He won't work outside of that anything but his wrath. You got to be commit because the Lord gave me wisdom at the hearing of the word in the context from where faith comes. My hope came alive because my assurance. See, hope and assurance are tied together. If your hope comes alive, it's because you done got sure of something. And when I begin to hear the truth of Calvary, oh, declared through the pages of God's word, my hope came alive and I got sure and more sure to the point I said, you know, I believe we might need to start a church. And my goodness, people ask me every time they see me, how's it going at Crossway? I say the same thing to all of them. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly, but we march on, hallelujah. We still hold and dear the message that began our very Christian lives. We're holding dear the message that began this work right here in the Oklahoma text. All hell will break out at times. All kind of reasonings will come up as to why chaos is there. But at the root of it all, it's because some, God forbid it be any of us, but there will always come a time for some where their flesh will reach a point where it will not any longer. They will not subdue their flesh any longer. And they'll put that cross down for the sake of loved ones. They won't ever word it that way. But they'll put that cross down for the sake of money. And I'm going to tell you something. Every time you do that, you lose. You begin to lose your assurance. And that hope that was lively is now dwindling. And confusion is working. Confusion. I want to be more sure tomorrow than I was today. And just because we're sure today don't mean we'll be this sure tomorrow. Some people have been very, very sure. And then all of a sudden they find themselves not claiming they're not sure, but obviously they're not because they've allowed something to come in that contradicts and confuses and steals 
steals my place of clarity. Without clarity, I'm not going to be sure as I need to be. I've got to be sure. When somebody approaches me with a question about the Word of God, I've got to be sure. I've got to be ready and sure that my answer is from the Word of God in its righteous context. Amen? I want you to be sure. Not sure where you're supposed to be in church. That's good too. Not sure about all this. Sure about where your faith has to be anchored 24-7. Not in a man, not in a ministry, but in the Lord Jesus Christ and His work at Calvary. If that's what your heart is touching, then you can hear Him. Because only through there can you hear Him. And He will give you wisdom and bring an increase of knowledge and understanding and the Bible says he'll enlarge your heart and fill it with his truth. Aren't you glad he's that faithful? You don't have to go to bed at night unsure. You can go to bed at night very sure that Jesus and what he did at Calvary is the only answer God's got for you concerning every issue in your life. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me tonight, please? Thank the Lord for his goodness.